Hi, it's Nick. Welcome back to another episode of The Breathing 411. This is the audio version of my email newsletter where I connect timeless wisdom with modern science to bring you four thoughts, one quote, and one answer all around optimizing our breathing to optimize our life. So let's jump straight into thought number one, a perfect quote on breathing from Dr. Andrew Weil. And here is the quote, breathwork, learning how to change breathing habits and practicing specific breathing techniques has remarkable effects on physiology. It cannot cause harm, requires no equipment, and costs nothing. It can correct some cardiac arrhythmias and gastrointestinal problems, for example, and it is the most effective treatment I know for anxiety, as well as the simplest method of stress reduction, end quote. And that is, again, Dr. Andrew Weil from his book, Mind Over Meds. I have nothing to add except for that's probably the best quote on breathwork I've ever heard, right? Um, yeah, so good. Andrew Weil has lots of good things on breathing, but I just came across this one and absolutely love it. And with that, I will move on to thought number two. One key reason breathing is so powerful actually has nothing to do with breathing. So if you're into all of this like self-development, optimizing type stuff, you've probably heard of learned helplessness. This is the idea here is when we're subjected to adversity we can't control, we end up giving up, right? Then later on, we take that mindset into other situations and we end up giving up in situations we can control. Um, and so this is a thought to be a big cause of depression and all of these different things, right? However, I recently learned in Transcend by Scott Barry Kaufman that helplessness isn't actually learned per se. It's actually our default reaction to prolonged adversity. To overcome that default, we need what Kaufman calls learned hope, the perception that we can control and harness the unpredictability in our environment. All right, so in my opinion, this is why breathing is so powerful. It's not that there's some like magical technique out there that's going to fix everything, right? It's that once we see our ability to control our body and our emotions through the breath, we, developed, we develop learned hope. We then believe we can retake control, and then, of course, we do. So breathing shifts us from helplessness, you know, into hope. And I think that is why it's so powerful from a more general perspective. All right, that's a little bit of a longer thought. So I'll move on to thought number three. Whose breath are you focusing on? Suffering versus peace. So when you first learn about breathing or even when you've been you know, studying it for a while, it's natural to start noticing how poorly everyone else breathes, right? And it's really natural to just want to fix them. But let's remember that trying to change others will lead to suffering. Focusing on what you can control, your breath will lead to peace. And this was inspired by, again, like many of these, my favorite teacher, Brian Johnson. He had a, uh, an excellent Optimize Plus One on whose business are you in? It's way more complex than this, this thought here, but uh, that's what inspired it. So thank you, Brian Johnson, as always. And with that, I'll move on to thought number four. What to do if you don't have a teacher? Quote, in absence of a teacher, one is to rely on a thorough, repeated study of as many texts as possible and on constant self-observation and introspection. End quote. And that's Michael Wormbrand from The Primordial Breath, Volume 2. 
And although, so I love that, right? Although there's no substitute for a teacher, when we don't have one, we have to, re, you know, rely on a thorough, repeated study of as many texts as available, self-observation and introspection. I hope that this newsletter helps you in one of these three areas with your breathing. So thank you for continuing to read and continuing to practice this and observe how it's working and just be open to a broad variety of texts on the breath. All right, that's it for the four thoughts. I will move on to the one quote for this week. Quote, breath understood as a metonym for life itself rather than as a discrete physiological process has often acted as a philosophical first principle. End quote. And that is Arthur Rose. I just love that, right? Uh, life is breath. That is that synonym is what, you know, that that phrase is a philosophical first principle in the arts and writing and all of that. So awesome. In any case, I will move on to the one answer for this week. The category is diaphragm. And the answer is, according to one review, the diaphragm is completely made out of this type of tissue. What is fascia? And I put according to one review because that's the only one I found. And uh, I don't know much about the different muscle types and I don't want to pretend like I do. But this was a, a paper published, I believe it was 2019, um, and it made a pretty good argument that the entire diaphragm is just made of different types of fascia. Super interesting, right? Uh, but that's for another day to try to talk more about fascia. In any case, thank you again for listening. Please remember this week's four thoughts that the, the quote from Dr. Andrew Weil on breathwork is amazing. So don't forget about that. Remember to think about whose breath are you focusing on, right? Yours or someone else's. Focusing on yours is the best place to do it if you want peace. Yeah, but if you want suffering, you can always try to change others, right? Remember, if you don't have a teacher, repeated study of text, self-observation and introspection. And my favorite thought this week, that's why I saved it for last, is learned hope, right? There's so many great things breathing does for us, but it's really that larger picture change of mind state where we believe we are empowered. We see we are empowered. That makes it so awesome. So thank you again for listening and I'll see you next week. 